We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to KFS Study Hall. My name is Sean Hardy. Uh, thank you for joining me today. Uh, we may be joined by Chris Persianen at some point, um, so hopefully he'll pull up. Uh, it is 11.06 a.m. on a sat- brisk, crisp Saturday morning in New York, and we are rooting, and we are fans of the hottest team in the Eastern Conference, the New York Knicks, who have won six games in a row. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six. And the six, and games five and six came at the expense of the Chicago Bulls. Now, I am a little bit older than many of y'all. I'm 41 years old, and I don't have any problem saying that. So I grew up watching, I grew up getting terrorized by one Michael Jeffrey Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And I grew up being terrorized by Bulls fans in New York, of which there were millions in the 90s, who were really Michael Jordan fans, but we know the damn fives, right? Um, So I always will hate the Bulls. I will never like the Bulls. I will never root for them. I will never want to see them succeed. I wish all the ill things on them happened to them and only them. So it actually makes me feel good to beat them. I especially beat them two straight in their building, the United Center, which, again, has been a house of horrors for me um, growing up as a Knicks fan in the 90s. So you'll see I've had a lot of petty-ass tweets directed to- towards or at the Bulls last night. That's because I'm petty, and that's actually something I should, uh, I, should, I, should, I should work on. I shouldn't be as petty, but it's the Bulls, so screw them. Um, so last night, Knicks win by a final score of, one fourteen ninety one. The Knicks actually shot like ass in the first quarter. I mean, excuse me, in the first half. Um, but what saved us, ironically, was our three point shooting. Um, that's what made. That's what I think we're up fifty eight fifty three at the half. I believe that was a halftime score. Yes, fifty eight fifty three. Um, Julius was awful offensively. RJ wasn't good offensively. It was basically the the uh, Brunson and Grimes show. And then in the second half, it just became a like lockdown. Like the Knicks allowed in the second half, they allowed twenty-two in the third and sixteen in the fourth. So that is thirty-eight points in the second half. And I'm gonna give some credit 
to one Tom Thibodeau Jr. because we all crush him, and rightfully so, for being afraid of, of, of not making adjustments and just running the same shit over and over again and hoping that it sticks. And last night, not last night, but since the Dallas game, which honestly, coaches have been fired for less. Um, the defense went from and 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 Macri said this last night on the uh, on the pre on the post game. The defense went from twenty sixth in the league twelve days ago to I believe they are now eighth, eighth in in in. 12 days. That is a testament to the changes made by that is a testament to the lineup change going to an eight-man going to a nine-man rotation and switching up the scheme because now this team switches on defense more often than it did and that's partially due to um, the scheme because they have played they have switched they have guys that make it easy to switch and like Jonathan said yesterday in the post game him playing that stupid uh, that that I won't say cold stupid. Him playing that scheme will probably got his ass fired. So, yes, again, excellent game yesterday. Excellent win, six in a row. RJ played much better in the second half. Julius's defense is like it just so much like defense. I always say this: defense starts with effort. It starts with effort. If you give a shit. You can be a decent defender. We know that Jalen Brunson is not a great defender, but he gives effort. He tries. He gives a shit, and that matters. Even Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier was awful, but he would – well, there are times – no, there are times he, 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 he like, conk out, right? But there were – but at least you see he will try. Like, I can accept if you get your ass kicked if you try. I do not accept if you get your ass kicked when you're not trying and you don't give a shit. And you're just pointing to the corners for someone to pick up your man because you didn't feel like moving. And that's not what Julius was yesterday. That's not what Julius has been for the past couple of days. Yes, there are lapses. Yes, there will always be lapses. But the defense is there. Um, and listen, if you're if you're pro tank, this is not the room for you. This is not the space for you. That's not happening. Let it go. Drink some prune juice. Let that shit go. Um Obviously, this team isn't going to win the title this year, but it feels good to maybe, maybe, maybe the New York Knicks have actually built something sustainable. Maybe, maybe. Like, I don't want to get ahead of myself because, you know, but maybe this is a good basketball team. Maybe it is. And with that, I will turn it over to my co-host, Chris Persiani. Chris, good morning. How are you doing? Your thoughts on last night's game. Good morning, brother. How are you, man? I, I feel like I, I feel like I've joined the space, and I didn't even have like an inclination on mute. I was like, I'm gonna just let bro cook. <laughs> I'm gonna just let him go. Um, hey, man, listen, the Knicks have an identity. Uh, the the Knickerbockers of New York have an identity, and that identity. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, man. That identity is not being that team to go get right against. The identity is not being the team to go put a show on against, and the identity is not disheveled disorganization. The New York Knicks' identity is playing basketball, and they play basketball in a couple different ways. I'm going to tell you how. They play basketball hard. They play basketball pretty smart. They don't have 
some out of this world playmaking on the team. They've got a pretty good playmaker and Emmanuel quickly. They've got a genuinely good playmaker in Jalen Brunson. <sighs> After that, you know, it gets a little inconsistent. Um, but they play smart. They play hard. And so it works out. And this Knicks team, man, they, they, they start on the defensive end. This is a Tom Thibodeau team, historically, what that's meant. Now, a lot of people acted like it was the player's fault not playing up to snuff that this team didn't look like a Tom Thibodeau team before. I am here to tell you that it was Tom Thibodeau's lack of ability to evaluate talent that this team did not look like a Tom Thibodeau team before. But everyone needs a little bit of help from their friends every once in a while. Top Thibodeau has some friends in the Knicks front office. They told him, hey, buddy, you're not good at evaluating talent. So we're going to tell you to play Jericho Sims over Nerlens Noel. We're going to make you start Quentin Grimes. We're also going to hold him out to make you play Cam Reddish. And then when we're done with that little experiment, we're going to make you start him and see if they can stick together. If they can't, do it your way. Oh, but while you're doing it your way, you're not allowed to play Derrick Rose. You got to play Deuce McBride instead. Take that help. See how it goes. Knicks win six straight. There's no coincidence. There's also no doubt that the front office is behind these rotational changes. I'm seeing a lot of tweets, man, telling me, telling rather not me personally, but I see a lot of tweets from the Knicks fan base addressing the Knicks fan base. Like, Knicks win six straight. Thibodeau not getting his credit. Dot, dot, dot. It's like, okay, yeah, if you were a successful businessman, you ran Microsoft Excel 2006 in 2004. Everyone was like, oh, my God, he's years ahead of the curve. How did he do that? It's because he's one of the all-time greats and geniuses of his craft. And you're pumping out those goddamn spreadsheets like no one else, and you're solving problems, you're cutting edge in the financial world. And then it's 2017, and you're still using Microsoft Office 2006. Your boss is like, at least use Word from 2012. At least use the Excel from 2009. They force you to upgrade in these little ways. Finally, you, you have some success with these upgrades, and you earn yourself doing it your way a little bit, and then you just start stinking it up. And after two a year and a half of stinking it up, your bosses are like, okay, you're upgrading to the full 2019 office suite, and it's not your choice. And then you start doing really well again. Are you are, are articles going to get written about you? Like, he's rediscovered his love for the financial game. Like, he just he started trying again, and it's it's going well. Like, no, you didn't make any of those choices. <laughs> you just, you had your own stubbornness broken by force, and then things changed. You could even argue that this hypothetical financial analyst uh, because of bugs in his computer he couldn't control switch to the newer suite just to spite the people telling him to do it I just want to and say that this, started, is an, um, this Microsoft Excel analogy is absolutely amazing and it is, I'm just going to give you that credit because it is a perfect analogy for um, for the Tom Thibodeau experience because you're right he was freaking like he was kicking ass with Excel like he, he, like he figured out the lookups and stuff in like 2006 and people are like oh this is amazing it's like bro he was ahead of his time Tibbs was ahead of his time to the point that you could argue that for our modern era and not this one now but the era of basketball that I grew up and that you know I fell in love with 
that 2013 Blake Griffin Clippers, Mellow Knicks, Garnett Celtics, uh, a Durant Thunder, James Heat, that league, Tibbs revolutionized that league. So there were two people that revolutionized that league, in my opinion. LeBron James revolutionized non-point guards taking uh, pick-and-roll reps most often. Basically put the hand, put the ball in the hands of your best player and let them work. Became super popular, I think, with LeBron, heliocentrism and all that. And then defensive end Tibbs revolutionized things. Like Tibbs was super influential. That doesn't change the fact that I'm, I'm finishing up my finals as a junior in college, right? I was getting tested on the United States geography, the capitals of the states in fifth grade when Tibbs won that coach of the year like the first time. Like there's just – it's okay to be like he was really good. He needed a little help to get back on track in the modern era. Now he's able to be really good again because you look at the Knicks defense – um, if you look at the Knicks defense and say this is not Tibbs, this is just the players, you're wrong. But it's the fact that Tibbs spent so long playing the wrong players for his own system. Imagine, imagine going to a mechanic to get your car fixed, and you go to you know you have a Honda, and you go to a Honda specific mechanic. And they're like, yo, I'm not going to lie. We have no idea what to do with this. We're just going to try some shit out and see if – like, <laughs> it's just like, man, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sign off with my analogies fast now. But that Office one is one that I've been using since probably a couple days now, that, that Microsoft Office suite analogy. Because, listen, if, you, if you're if you elite at what you do, then you're really bad. <laughs> then you go back to being elite. But the – you're, there's context. You're allowed to look at context. Sure, it's most of Tibbs's career is being you know better than bad. Most of Tibbs's career is being a good coach. But we saw what it took. You know, uh, fans identify like me personally. I had Miles McBride number twenty one on my draft board. There are a lot of fans out there. You want to talk about one? There's one in the audience right now. Papa left who identified Grimes and McBride as difference makers for the team a while back, right? This is a take that several people have had, okay? Several people have had this take. This is not some crazy take. This is not some, you know, reverso world, bizarro world take. People like myself who are younger had this take. People who are older had this take. People who are older that like analytics, that don't like. A lot of people had these takes about these young players. No matter how the older players played, well, it didn't matter because they still got their reps. We're just seeing now what happens when Tom Thibodeau gets a little help from his friends and is told to just coach and to stop evaluating talent. Sorry, talent ran out of breath. And listen, you hit the nail on the head with the with the nudge. Like sometimes we do need a little help from our friends. Sometimes we do need a nudge. Um, I absolutely believe that. The front office told him, all right, listen, you're playing Jericho Sims. I absolutely believe that the front office is like, okay, listen, it's time to give this kid a look. I think the frustration for many Knicks fans, myself included, is where, why did it take so long? And especially, like, even last night, I was watching, like, uh, during last night's game, and I'm seeing how Julius is playing. And, it, 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 and, it, and on one hand, it's really good that he's playing like this. But on the other hand, it just makes last year even more frustrating because this was always there. It was always there. 
And it's just like I think the same thing about Thibodeau's rotation. Th- you know, same thing with Tibbs. It's like yo, why? Like this was there. It was right in front of you. Like it was right in front of you. Why under the nose? Wh- like why did like why did it take so long for us? Like why did it take so long? Like this team. Like okay, I, like I said in the beginning, I don't know if. I'm not. I don't know how sustainable this is. I don't think we're going to become a 50 win team. I don't know if this is like the start of something special, whatever. But it's just like if we like we could have played like this last year, and the last year wouldn't have been so awful. And the fact that we were awful and we still managed to win 37 games to start to to, to end the season, we, we end the season with 37 wins. It's like imagine if we didn't lose 17 out of 20 because the head coach kept running out the same line. But we did because the head coach kept running out the same lineup. And the front office just let him do it. So that is what it is. So that's the recap of the game. Um, again, the Knicks are the hottest team in the league. In, in the Eastern Conference, excuse me, they've won six in a row. Memphis has won seven in a row. Uh, I'm going to find a Kirk Goldsberry tweet uh, that shows that the Knicks, right in the last 10 games, the Knicks are number three in net rating, I believe. Uh, I'll, see if I, I'll see if I can find it. I believe they're number three in net rating. Um, only let me see if I can find this. Kurt. While you look for stats, I'll jump Go right in ahead. and uh, word parachute you down here. Basically, the Knicks have a lineup every season that's like really their most played lineup, like by a lot, right? If you if you're a nerd like myself and spend time in the Knicks lineup data on the advanced NBA site, uh, there's one lineup every year that plays way more minutes than every other lineup. And to Sean's point, how the Knicks have arrived at, at that net rating is that lineup of Brunson, Grimes, Barrett, Randall, Robinson, it, it became their most played lineup a couple games back. And, well, I think everyone would agree there's no turning back from that now. Um, but it's a good lineup. And they've got a plus 11 net rating going into the Chicago game last night. It's pro- probably higher now. Um, I, I just they're good. The, the Knicks have a lineup and I know I don't want to throw a name out specifically. There's someone in the front office who I know was definitely pushing for Grimes to start. Um, yeah, like this is the, this team has, was like in the summer being like Quentin Grimes needs to start and Tibbs wanted to start Fournier and the front office at least nudged him in Grimes direction. Um, even if it, they, I don't think they, they didn't have to force him. We know Thibodeau loves Grimes, but it was, it was a, charged decision it was a, a nudge decision uh, as was you know all the other swaps of young kids into the rotation so this, this is why i say you know this this front offices teams organizations are not supposed to be monoliths they are supposed to disagree but it's nice when they work things out in a way that looks like they communicate behind the scenes the cam reddish deal literally made it look like the knicks a front office doesn't speak to their coach behind the scenes they've really turned that around this season sean you find your stat Yes, I found my stat. I posted it. I posted it. I posted it in the jumbotron. Apologies for the music in the background. I'm trying to grab some breakfast here. Um, but yeah, like the Knicks are the number one team in the, the Knicks are the number two team. The number two team uh, in net by net rating. They are ninth in offense and third in defense. That's crazy. All right, uh, let me find some. How much is this? Two dollars. Okay, here you go. All right, so let's go to the let's go to the callers. Uh, oh, where did Farrell go? Oh, Farrell is just here. All right, we'll find Farrell. Um, yeah, we'll find Farrell. So listen, I thank you. I put out a tweet this morning saying we will take questions. We will take questions from you. 
Um, now, because I put it out at like 9.30 this morning because I'm a slacker, we didn't get any, but it's okay. Um, if you have any questions you want to ask us, or anything you want to discuss, this is basically an open forum because, you know, it's, you know, it's funny, it's so much easier to talk. It's, on one hand, it's nice when the Knicks are winning because obviously we're a Knicks fan, so we want the Knicks to win. But on the flip side, it's also like, wow, we have nothing to bitch about. What are we going to talk about? But it shouldn't be that way. We should enjoy. You talk about, yeah, you talk about the product on the court. Talk about how, or rather what's going into the win streak, et cetera. I, I prefer actually talking about teams on win streaks um, because I'm a story person. And I, you know, whenever there's a win streak, there's a story behind it. Um, and I love telling stories in sports. So, uh, Kevin seems to have a question. Let's let him up. Uh, so he can ask it. Kevin, welcome. I've got I've got one take home final, and I've got one like written final left. I'm almost out the woods, man. I'm almost there. Kevin, good morning, dude. What's going on? Hey, Chris. I feel you. By the way, I'm also in the middle of um, finals for grad school. Um, uh, what, so what was I going? What was I going to ask? Um, so. I think I think I'm just I just I also don't have I don't have that much to say, but I'm really I think I'm the most excited that I am since 2021. Um, this feels really really special. Um, you know, first wins first longest wins longest win streak other than the we here seasons since uh, 1314, um, and I. Uh, yeah, I, I, Chris, I, I, I wonder, I'm wondering about that point too, because uh, with um, t- with Tibbs and Grimes, and when they made the reddish trade, the report was that um, the front office was originally willing to put Grimes in the trade. Um, that yeah, no, that like. The, okay, the front office was willing to do a deal where Quentin Grimes went to Atlanta and Cam Reddish went to New York, but Grimes had more value at the time, pretty much indubitably. Um, and so that deal wasn't like Atlanta was like, yeah, you know, just give us Grimes and the first rounder for Cam, and that you know we'll just get it done. The Knicks were like, ha. Huh. Uh, they didn't say pick one, but but like. Uh, yes, Tibbs pushed to keep Grimes, but it—I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to—I'm trying to come up with a comparison. Like, um, geez, what 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 would what would an analogy be? He just like the, the vote was already. Say, if there's five people, I don't know. Pretend there is ten people in the front office. The vote was already seven and three to keep Grimes. Tibbs was like, yeah, keep Grimes. Was, you know, like it wasn't there, there was. Let, let me explain it like this: In drafting, right, every Nick draft pick has kind of, kind of come out like some corner in the front office likes them, whether it was analytics or whether it was Wes, right? Grimes and Deuce are two guys that like a lot of people like. Like there was not a lot of debate about how, like, whether the team liked those guys or not, and so. Grimes is someone they've always been high on. They they draft guys they're high on. And, and I know that sounds dumb, but <laughs> like when there are guys on the table that they're not super high on, they literally just don't draft anyone. Like they what's have insane to, to me. Guys. Sorry, what's insane to me is that 
Houston, and I was just thinking about this last night, and I commented this on the, in the Super Chat. Houston had two picks before their local before their local pick. They picked Garuba, who's okay, like fine, and Josh Christopher before Quentin Grimes. That to me is that is going to go down. We're we're going to be talking about that for a while. And if it were the Knicks doing that, Sports Center, ESPN would be talking about that twenty four seven. People would eat it up. I will tell you though that that pick by Houston of Josh Christopher was, if you know AAU, if you follow AAU, um, that pick was a favor to someone on that roster, and that. You know, if you, if you follow AAU, there's not a question what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, and also what I was what I, what I was going to ask you guys um, and your opinions on them. First of all, Grimes is up to the, the 80th percentile for uh, wing for wings and points per shot attempt, so that slump is uh, gone, which is lovely. Um, also in the 83rd percentile for uh, for uh, for on off Knicks are now eight points eight points better with him on the, with him on the floor. Um, so I'm obviously super super high in Quentin Grimes. Uh, Grimes Hive President Grimes. CEO General Manager Kevin Danishevsky. You should find someone who loves you as much as Kevin loves Quentin Grimes. And I'm being all, and I'm not being facetious. You should. I have a question for you that I asked again asked John on the. The post game. Um, what is your opinion on the Derrick Rose Hall of Fame case? Where are you on that? Um, and where are you on that in terms of both? Like the NBA Hall of Fame is notoriously um, notoriously has pretty low standards. But where are you on? So I think like honestly, I think like it's pretty, the answer is pretty unequivocally yes, considering that. But where are you if, if you were making your own Hall of Fame from scratch? Um, where would you where would you be on that? Um. So, uh, first of all, I want to say that Kevin, you are absolutely right. Like everyone likes to big up, everyone likes to point out the players the Knicks passed on that turned out to be good, but no one wants to big up the players that we take that are good that other teams passed on. Like you, you like if Quentin Grimes was doing this for another team, and we had to live, oh the Knicks, Quentin Grimes. Was, I still remember the Michael Porter Jr. circle jerk during the bubble. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that word. Andrew, you can believe that uh, if you want. I remember the Michael uh, Porter Michael Porter Jr. circle jerk, and meanwhile, this dude has played like 80 games in three years. That's neither here nor there. Yo, let me, let, me, let me say something real quick. So as someone who, you know, has covered R.J. Barry's career uh, thus far, uh, there, there was one time that uh, the algorithm just knows to throw a post about him on my feed because I've been, you know, covering him for years. There was this time where a, a Nick fan posted RJ Barrett and Michael Porter Jr. and they said, "Who who would you guys take going forward?" Um, and essentially, Nick fans responded to this like, "You're setting RJ up to get, you know, to get like crapped on." Um, and my take at the time was that I'd, I'd go with Barrett. So it was just funny, you know, to see that age because. Uh, Porter Jr. You know, got passed on by a lot of teams, but as you know, as usual, only the Knicks received criticism for passing on him. Uh, and you know, everyone's found out that the medical concerns that he had, that were like widely reported, were valid. So, you know, it's never something positive to to sit and be like, ah, see, a guy was injury prone, as predicted. Like that's not 
so you know something to celebrate but between three porter siblings i believe they have seven acl tears total uh hit or eight i think him twice his brother once no, him once his brother twice and his sister five for four times whatever it is the three siblings have about seven or eight acl tears between them so there's just there are times where you can be like oh you know this is a multi-million dollar business that's really concerning uh yeah yeah so um so to answer your question kevin about derrick rose in the hall of fame i mean like so the funny thing is about the the, the, the about the three i'm i don't follow hockey but of the three hall of fames um the baseball hall of fame wants to put nobody in the basketball hall of fame wants to put everyone in and the nfl and the pro football hall of fame is like you're either a first or second ballot or you wait 10 years um I will borrow a line from Andrew Claudio, who he says uh, the criteria for the Basketball Hall of Fame is, did you play basketball? Did you play basketball in college? Did you play basketball internationally? Answer yes to any of these questions, congratulations in the Hall of Fame. Personally, in my definition of the Hall of Fame, Derrick Rose is in the Hall of Very Good. And through no fault of his own, because there was a Hall of Fame player in there before the injury. Absolutely. Youngest MVP of the league. An absolute joy and pleasure to watch. He was devastating on the court, um, which is why I hope the guy in Memphis who wears number 12 is, is using him as a cautionary tale. Because every time that dude falls on the ground, I get scared. Because I'm like, bro, bro, you just can't land like that. Um, but knowing the criteria and the history of the, of the basketball fame as it is, he will probably get it. And if he gets in, I am not going to cry any tears. Um, I don't know any other people, much less basketball players, who are beloved in New York and Chicago as Derrick Rose. So that's what I think will happen. What was the first thing you asked about? What was the first question you asked, Kevin? I missed that part. Um, no, I agree. I agree with that. I, that, that. That was that. That was it. That was it. Was uh, it was about okay, Rose. Chris? Yeah, I I agree. The basketball Hall of Fame could be a little more tough on how you know who they let in. Um, I just think, me personally, when I think of the Hall of Fame, I think of, uh, I, or rather, I'd like to think of a, a collection of players that it, the the common denominator is that they are essential to telling the story of the sport and the league. Um, Throughout, throughout the years. So for me, if you want to go to football, and this is not just because I'm a Giants fan, I did not, you know, I've been accused of this by Jets fans, so I will throw it out now. I did not make my entire philosophy about Hall of Fames to get this following guy in. Um, and Andrew will have fun listening to this, I guess. But, like, to me personally, obviously you can't tell the story of football without Tom Brady. That means you can't tell the story of football without Eli Manning. I think Eli Manning, because of story-wise – I said it earlier in the space. Uh, stories in sports are the, the best thing. That's what they're about. Um, and and to me, you can't tell the story of football without Eli Manning. So Eli Manning would be in my Hall of Fame. Uh, to me, Derrick Rose would be in my Basketball Hall of Fame. But, you know, so would Brandon Roy, uh, who I know was able to accomplish more like, in his career probably and all NBA t- team-wise and things like that. But... You know, Rose Roy would be in my basketball Hall of Fame. Um, I, I just, I would, 
Uh, that's why I'm going into sports media. That's why I, I'm in school for journalism. I'm a sucker for a good story. I love stories and sports. That's what I'm at school to learn how to do. And um, that I would have Derrick Rose in my Hall of Fame, but I would try. I, there are a lot of people in the Hall of Fame that wouldn't have made it in my personal one if I, you know, took years to sit and make one because I think they should be a little more judicious, ju- judicious about that. Absolutely. Listen, there's some people in the basketball fans that I will remove post hates. So I see the hero there. Kevin, thank you for your questions. Always appreciate it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about WinBet, the official sports book of Nick's Film School. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, the WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet 100, win 100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. That's wynnbet.com to start winning. Download, bet, win. It's that simple. All right, next we'll go to No Zen Master, and then we'll go to my man R95 Billy. No Zen Master, the floor is yours. Hey, fellas. Um, so before I get to my question, uh, the Derek Rose thing, um, I, I would put him in my Hall of Fame. Um, and depending on the year, I will even say he's a first ballot Hall of Famer uh, for do, these two reasons. Um, well, three reasons. First... There's no MV. There's no person who won the 
regular season MVP that's not in the Hall of Fame. And if we want to get specific, the only folks that are not in the Hall of Fame are is either that's one of regular season MVP is either Dirk Nowitzki, who he's going to get in 2023 or active players right now um also you know even though he didn't win um the ncaa championship he did get to the championship game and then he he led a team that has the most wins in um season in uh ncaa history so and my third reason would be grant hills in the hall of fame um so you know he won a rookie of the so for you know, there's precedent well, to you say could, well, during his that college was, career, you could put him in the basketball hall of fame for. So that's that's fair. Right, right. So so what I'm saying is if you include the entire body of work from college, um, NBA, I think the thing that's making Derrick Rose case now is the longevity of his career. Um, he had, he didn't put in he hasn't put in 19 years yet like Grant Hill, but I would say that post injury, Derrick Rose has been a better player than Grant Hill was post injury. So, um, so like I said, uh, uh, like there was a point where <laughs> listen, there was a point where Derrick Rose was on Utah and Utah just told him to go away. And I don't think Grant Hill. Like, I think the lowest point, I think the lowest point of Derrick Rose's career post-injury is lower than Grant Hill's lowest point. But I see where you're coming from. But, like, it was pretty bad. Like, Utah, who, which was like a middling team, just told him, like, we don't need you. Just leave. Um, so the fact that he bounced back from that to where he is now is a testament to him. But I don't, I don't know if I would say that he had a better uh, post-injury career. No, well, here's the thing. I... I I will I'll I'll say this. I think Derek uh Derek Rose lows were lower than Grand Hills. I think his high was higher than Grand Hill. Uh remember, D, D Rose uh dropped 50 in the uh dropped 50 in the game against Timberwolves. So, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but my question is this. Um so without uh going on a tangent, uh I've spent half I'm 36 years old. I spent half my life in uh, New York, I spent half my life in California, and I've gone back and forth. It wasn't just like, you know, one at a time. Um, so I'm a Nick fan. I'm a Laker fan. Laker oh, fans. Bro- bro- brother, 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 brother. You're a Nick. No, okay. When the Knicks and the Lakers play, who do you root for? Oh, I go for You're the a Knicks. Knicks fan. Keep going. Right. All right. So. Now I've been getting. I, I spend some time in a lot of uh, the Laker spaces, and um, I uh, first of all, shout out to Bing Bong. Uh, I guess he left, <laughs> but uh, anyway. But my question is this: So Laker fans have been pushing for. I mean, have been you know doing their speculations about um, this. The, the Evan Fournier and uh, Cam Reddish uh, situation. And they're saying that, oh, we should work out that trade for Pat Bev and maybe K Nunn. I've been of, like, I've been pretty much standing on an island saying there's no way that the Knicks will uh, make that trade for a few reasons. First of all, in the sixth seed right now, 
uh, they're in the playoff mix. If those guys are not playing, then the trade that would be that could be made would be to make the team better. Like, why would they take guys that are? Why would they take our trash when they're in the middle of a playoff run? My second point is, Nick fans. They wouldn't like as much as like, you know, the front office has been a pain in our asses. Um, like they wouldn't like you can't let that shit won't uh, fly uh, with New York. Um, now, I was in a previous space a couple year days ago where uh, Nick fan said, well, you know, Pat, uh, Pat Bev is a veteran that you would want to have on your team and kind of like, you know, kind of like set the tone and like, you know, he has that dog in him. So my my two questions, and I know I've been rambling, but my two questions is, one, um, do you believe uh, that Cam Reddish and Evan Fournier, that trade will work out with the Lakers? And then second, if not, where do you see those guys getting traded? Uh, Yeah. So appreciate you letting me speak. And I land my plane. And if anyone can shoot me a follow, I'll follow you back. I'm tired of only getting love from these set, uh, sex spots, even though I do appreciate <laughs> it. But it's sense of love, and I'll land my plane there. Well, first of all, uh, do do not wow. do not do do not sh- you, listen. Do not shake ass for, for for follows on this damn app, which honestly may not be here next year. Uh, but uh, no, but uh, yes, give give those MS a follow. Well, actually. We will, we will, yes, if you pick, if you pick a team and you get off this, I'm a Knicks fan, Laker fan shit, then people will bother you. But if you're going to keep on that shit, no, 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 you get no followers. Then no one just sex bots will follow you. You got to pick a team because you have two teams, you don't have a team. With that being said, I'm a New Yorker. Look, I'm a New you're Yorker. You're a Knicks fan. There's the thing. I'm a New You're not a Laker, you're Knicks not a Laker fan. fan. You're I'm a Knicks, Knicks fan. That's right. That's right. Now, I will throw this question to Chris Persiani because he has sources. Shout out to Cedric. I don't have sources. I have sources of sources. But I know Chris has sources. So we'll, I, Chris, let, tell us what you've heard about possible trade scenarios involving uh, Evan Fournier and he who shall not be named. Uh, you got no. You got no, You got nothing. They're talking. They, oh, um, there's the, the team. The yeah. I mean, the team has been looking into moving Fournier since last year. Um, uh, they're asking the the report that the asking price for reddish is two seconds is apparently like half true, half not. Um, they're asking for more. They're not getting offered more. Like they, the sentiment is that they don't have much leverage, and that it's Cam Reddish is the quote I got. Like it's Cam Reddish, dude. They don't have leverage is like what I was told. So, um, yeah, the league's not very high on Cam. No one is right now. Uh, wait, 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 wait a minute. I was told that teams are so many teams are interested in Cam Reddish. So many teams were beating on Nick's door. Like, can you please trade us Cam Reddish? That's what I was told. And you're saying that that is, doesn't seem to be the case. What a surprise. Continue. There are teams that have had interest in him since the offseason, um, but it's not any sort of passionate interest. It's just uh, maybe. So, or like as part of a bigger deal. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, I would expect Reddish to be off this roster soon. Um, that's, the, that's the guy who I think, you know, if you were a betting person, is probably like minus 175, minus 200 to get dealt, something like that. Um, it's just going to happen. 
uh, they're at the point finally where they like they're six they're six and zero oh since the, the rotation switch. If if you like Sean and I have said this on this show. Um, if your thought is, oh, well, the Knicks w- turns to their young talent, but not the exact specific young talent I wanted, so I'm not happy about what's going on, um, that's that's nuts. So, you know, th- the thing with Reddish is they're kind of just ready to cut bait at this point. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to dump him for, uh, you know, a, a just a Euro stash, nothing, and abs- let someone absorb him. And, like, they're going to get something back for him. That's how the end, like, that's how this stuff works, but... It's not going to be anything super tantalizing unless he's part of a bigger deal. Like, I would guess that, um, like, Eric Gordon, for example, you know, I I would assume they probably offered Reddish for him uh, along with some veteran salary. I would also assume that they did not offer any actual enticing draft compensation along with (laughs) Reddish and that veteran salary. But, like, you know, they might use Cam as part of a deal like that if they don't. which I assume, you know, Houston will not come down from that asking price and or a contender will pay it. The Knicks are not a contender and they're finding success, you know, seeing what they have in their young players right now. Um, yeah, I, I just think that it would it would it would be surprising if Reddish were here after the deadline, uh, and that they will look into moving forty eight for sure, but there there's just no Guarantee, given you know his deal, but he might end up a Laker. Like he might. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't think there's any sort of passionate interest for any of these guys, though. And I, to piggyback on that, when it comes to the Lakers, I I've always said, and I'm not reporting this. He's not from sources, but I've always said that they're basically they're they're those 2027 and 2029 first round picks. That that's their big and little jokers. And they're going to wait to play them. And my my thought process has always been that they're waiting for the team that we just beat the last two nights, the last two games, to blow it up and say, hey. And, and shout out to my man Chris Barnett, Hoop Spaces in the audience, because we were going back and forth. Because I said the Lakers are going to want DeMar and they're going to want Vuciman. And he's like, they're not going to get Vuciman. And I'm like, yo, they're going to – like, well, if they put both unprotected on the table, they'll get Vucci. Now, I don't think – I don't know if I'm trading – Two unprotected for two unprotected first five and seven years down the line for Vuciman and Demar or Vuciman or or Levine or whatever combination of the three, and also if you're a bull if you're the Bulls front office like what's a twenty twenty seven first round pick to you right now like you may not you'll probably never make that pick so um but to piggyback what Chris said I think Cam will end up a Laker I don't think. I don't think Evan Fournier will get traded unless it's a quote-unquote offer they can't refuse because Evan Fournier becomes an expiring contract in six months. And where he'll have – where in the – he will – he as an expiring will have much more value than his now. And knowing we know about his front office and the, how much they value value, I don't think that – I don't think – I don't see them – they're definitely not going to dump Evan Fournier for nothing. Like, he's just going to sit and not play, and that'll be that. Uh, thank you for – thank you for the question, though, Zen Master. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, let's now go to my man, I-95 Bully. Uh, what's going on, sir? How are you? Yo, what's going on? Uh, I may need you to talk to me off the ledge a little bit, man. Um, today, yesterday, I've been hearing a lot of um, younger Knicks fans talk. And to me, it, it just sounds crazy. 
Um, we had last night on the uh, pregame show uh, your boy putting Trey Young in the same class as a Hall of Famer, Reggie Miller. And then this morning, I'm hearing Derrick Rose is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, let me let me just chop that up for a minute. He's not a he's a Hall of Famer, but he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. If you go into the actual Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. And you walk in on the right. There's where you buy your tickets. On the left, there's a store there where you can buy memorabilia. And throughout this hallway, they have little plaques and things like that and jerseys of players. That's what Derrick Rose gets. He gets his jersey put into the Hall of Fame. Because if we're just going to put Derrick Rose as the first ballot Hall of Famer, then Sean Kemp should have been in the Hall of Fame as a 10th ballot Hall of Famer. It, it doesn't make any sense to me at all to call him a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, but off of that, with these Knicks, you were mentioning the word sustainable. Honestly, I, I'm not too sure if it's sustainable because if you look at that second unit with quickly constantly going one for five, one for ten, his shooting woes, Obi go, going through what he was going through before the injury, I worry, where's the offense going to come from? And I keep hearing that, oh, quickly shooting, it's going to come around. And really, it hasn't come around since he's been in the league. I mean, he's had stretches and moments where he shot the three ball okay. And if you look at his numbers now, surprisingly, he's one of the best finishers around the rim on the team. And he's doing a little bit better in the mid-range based on more volume, but his three ball is nowhere to be found. The guy is shooting 40% or under 40%. For a large stretch of the season, he was one of the worst shooters in the league, not just on the Knicks. So my question is, when OB comes back, where is the offense going to come from in the second unit? Yeah, we're locking guys down on the defensive end, but at some point when you go against certain teams, we're going to have to put up some points. And, Let's say, you know, Julius is having an off night or Brunson's having an off night. You're going to need somebody from that second unit to step up. And I don't see that player on the second unit. And my last point, and I'll, I'll um, go back on mute, with these these crazy fantasy trades, like, we have to look at it not from the Knicks' perspective. Like, we're talking about Evan Fournier going to the Lakers. Why would the Lakers want him if they get him they're going to be in the repeater tax, and they don't want to be there. So Evan Fournier, basketball aside from a business perspective, I don't think it works. And Cam Reddish is the fit financially because they can always cut bait, which I don't think they would. But you give them Fournier, they're going to be in the repeater tax. So it, it just doesn't make business sense to include Fournier in these, these crazy fantasy mock trades to the Lakers. I'm out. Uh, so I will. Mike Chuck? Yeah, I was going to say, lost, lost you. Yeah. Mike Chuck, Sean. Can you hear me? I'm trying to You're robotic right now. Let me go on mute for like a minute. I got it. Um, Basically, the there's definitely a scenario out there where Fournier ends up a Laker. Um, I, it's I forget the exact wording used by 
our caller there, but it, I don't think it's a crazy fantasy mock trade because well, the hold, Lakers, hold on, Chris. The Lakers. You know, but in these trades, right, you see people, we're trading three guys that are not in the rotation. In all these trades, we're getting guys back in the rotation. Where are these guys going to play at? They're going to stick with nine-man rotation. We're going to be back to the same spot where, oh, so-and-so wasn't getting minutes. So if you're, if you're trading three guys that are not in the rotation, you don't want to really take a bunch of rotation players back. It just, it doesn't, it's not logical to me. That, that's all. Okay. I'm just saying there have been conversations between the teams about, uh, you know, a deal where just Fournier okay. goes, um, or, you know, maybe everyone's saying Fournier and Reddish pegging them together. Uh, the teams have talked about, you know, just one, just the other. Um, there are certainly scenarios that make sense for the Knicks if they are able to get draft compensation, acquire someone like Beverly and then reroute him or uh, if there is no market, just have him sit at home and have the draft compensation be, you know, why you did what you did. Um, because that's the the mode you're in is the to accrue assets. Uh, but, yeah, no, so it's um, it's definitely not some shoe-in that anything goes down. But there's just – all I'm saying is there's been, you know, talks, which is all there there has been at this point. The Knicks like to operate a little earlier than – the deadline or they you know they they have their ideas from the summer of what they should look to do and they kind of just get going on them you know every trade they've made has been a little so let me um ask you a quick question because you brought up something that i didn't think about so if they 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 trade for rotation pieces and they reroute them somewhere else isn't there a a deadline for that if they trade them and then trade them again within the season there's a deadline for that right uh they can just get it part they can get it done as part of one deal and make it a three-team okay. trade. Um, you know, negotiate the two separately, and then just kind of get the teams together to to call it into the league. And yeah, um, that's something all are certainly comfortable with. You know, getting involved as a third team or getting a third team involved. Uh, our our cap guys can handle that. So, you know, that's uh, that's something I, I wouldn't think is out of the picture is for them to make a deal with the, you know, complete intention of whoever they acquired, not playing a second on the team. Um, you know, they did it with Ed Davis, <laughs> once a Nick, always a Nick. Um, yeah, they're, they're comfortable with that. And, you know, it's not like Patrick Beverly has some shoe-in natural fit on this Nick roster right now, but he wouldn't have to if he were playing for another franchise or uh, worst comes to worst told to sit at home because they got two second rounders or something and they just don't care. But what about from the Lakers perspective? Cause if, if you're giving them uh reddish Fournier, whatever you're giving them, like they don't want to, well, from what I've heard, they don't want to go into the repeater tax. So it doesn't really make sense for them to get Fournier back in the deal. They, yeah, but they, they're also looking into doing other stuff. So it's, it's, um, you know, I don't know if they would swing a Russ trade as part of that. I don't know if uh, Westbrook to a third team, you know, whatever it is, like that's kind of long been in the cards as well. It, it seems like they're rolling with Westbrook now. I I, I don't know how married they are to keeping him. Um, they might. <laughs> but, yeah, no, there's, there's just always like basically, and, and Jeremy Cohen has talked about this a lot too, like, we're probably going to see more three-team deals. Like, and this is not me like guaranteeing, trying to tell you guys that 
a three team deal is going to like not like Jeremy's just talked about how there are going to be a lot more three team deals because um, just with the free agent pool being bad, teams are going to want guys on other teams like now. So, you know, teams might hop in on, on deals a little more frequently than they, they might have at a, at a different time. And, and and to quickly, I hope you guys can hear me now. Um, we can. Okay, perfect. Um, shout out to the Springbrook Parkway. Um, the why would the Lakers want forty eight? The Lakers need shooting. Like I need a bacon, egg, and cheese. That's why they will consider it. Now, I, since I'm in the car, I can't look up the the numbers and see what what acquiring forty eight if we'll put them in a repeater tax. So, like to your point, Chris, I'm sure discussion been made, discussion have been had between both teams because like the Lakers need shooting. Desperately, um, but at the same time, the Knicks, the Lakers only have the, those two picks, maybe a Kendrick Nunn um, to trade. So I don't think they're gonna, you know, use all their assets to be all right. Because like, if the, when the Lakers make a trade, they're yeah, trying to make a trade to be, to be entitled. Don't they? Don't they have some second rounders? They have, yes, they have a yeah. Yeah, yeah the Knicks will take yeah. second rounders. Don't take um, but they, 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 when the Lakers make their trade, it's going to be the okay, we have made this trade to be title contenders or, you know, convince themselves they're title contenders. And Aaron Fournier doesn't, doesn't do that to your point. Uh, thank you, I 95 Bully. Um, next up, we got Farrell. Farrell, welcome to the stage. The floor is yours. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, it was good. How y'all doing? Uh, shout out from school. What's up, Chris? What's up, Sean? What up, what up, what up? Um, Nah, man, I just, you know, I came up to say that Quentin Grimes is the greatest basketball player that's ever played in the NBA. Um, Mr. Untouchable! And <laughs> anybody that disagrees with me is just wrong. Like, I don't really have much argument for you. He does everything right, and he's going to win multiple championships for the Knicks, and I'm happy. The Knicks are very, very, very good. We have everything that the fans have been saying we had for a long time, because a long time we were just saying it. It didn't really show, like, yeah, we have young talent, we have picks, as we know, we have a bright future, and people are like, well, yeah, but you're winning 15 games, you know, like, you're not, you're not really doing anything with it, and now, it's all coming to fruition, man. Our guys are playing well, all at the same time, except quickly, but he'll be back. I mean, we've seen good games from quickly this year. He just hit a little slump, and now people are throwing him in trades for Zach Levine, apparently. So, there's that, but. We're good, man, and I'm happy. We're, I feel like right now, as you know, if we're going to do power rankings in the East, we're definitely a top-five team. Um, am I tripping with that? I think, yeah, I say so, right? I say even we could be even like four. That's how high you are on, on teams like uh, Toronto. and, and Which Dallas. I'm not. You know, they suck. You think Van, I, I think Van Vliet's shooting gets back, so we'll see. All right, so let me ask this then, um, Farrell. All right. Because I think I saw the standings earlier. So, like, the top five teams are Milwaukee. Like, so right now ahead of the Knicks in the standings are in no particular order. Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland, Brooklyn. Okay. And then we're sixth. Who like I don't okay like, you know what nah, I above? forgot about weak ass I, you know what? I forgot about weak ass irrelevant ass ugly ass Brooklyn I forgot about them they I think I think they're gonna make a trade before the deadline and they they might be a little less I just, I, I, I hate I just hate Brooklyn I just hate I, I know at last year's deadline they when they got the two firsts along with Simmons they tried flipping those right away for Jeremy Grant like they're trying to do something else to make them 
less pathetic on defense. They're like that's what I'm saying. Like that's uh, I don't know if they get Adenobi, but I'd really like I to see like a series between the Knicks and the Nets right now. I'd like to see how that how it pan out for us. With the team that's constructed right now, I would also like to see yeah. that. But I, I think the Nets will I don't know if it'll be at OG Adenobi, but they're gonna make a trade for someone like that. Yeah. We'll no, nah, I mean I, I forgot about them. I guess if you include them right now, just stands. I guess you can put them above us in the power rankings. But honestly, I'm rocking with my guys right now. I like I like how things are going. Um, only thing is, when I see some of these trades, because I I definitely want to make a trade. Right? I feel like one thing is Nick fans. We forget what the dark days were like, and we know that you know everybody had this this plan that we had to trade Julius High. And it was always a question of, okay, when Julius is back on his high and he's playing good again, will we want to trade him? And what will we trade him for in that instance? So I'm I'm interested to see how the talks go because I'm under the impression that the team still wants to move him probably for the right price. And I don't know. I feel like that's one of the biggest question marks is what they do with Julius, and that's going to be the main detail. Like, that's going to mean the main, uh, what's it called, like, decision as as to where the team goes in the future because right now they're at a crossroads like either they could trade Obi right now and injured Obi, recoup assets and just move forward with Julius and let him be the guy and let him be this third connector all do it all type role or move off of Julius and really move forward in this youth movement so I, I don't know man but I'm not gonna sit here and get too caught up in that because we're good man six in a row haven't done that since when I can't remember. I saw a tweet about it earlier. Since the we the we here season, we won nine straight. Okay, and before that, it was uh, the twenty fourteen season, I believe. Four, 13, four, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, yeah. See, there you go. We're in good company. So we're we're good, man. And I'm I'm not gonna sit here and get too upset about any of the Knicks problems right now because it could be a lot worse and we've seen a lot worse this season alone and we're finally turning the page and Tom Thibodeau is actually coaching a a well-run coherent basketball team that's scoring well so I'm happy about it yeah well and that's why oh go ahead Chris no I'm just one sentence he's got athletes on the perimeter now and regardless of how that came about uh, they are able and willing to play his defensive scheme it looks good Deuce needs more. Deuce and needs more I'm, minutes. That's one thing I'll complain about. I, I guess I'll complain about that. Deuce is such a beast, man. Like, you look at that kid's stats, it'll be like 10 minutes and do have like three steals, two threes, a rebound, three assists. Like, can. My bad, my bad, my bad. I got a call. I got a call. I got a call. But yeah, I need to, I need to see more Deuce minutes. And I would say, real quick, what I would say is that I actually don't want to see a trade unless it's to ship Julius off because I just want these kids to cook for, like, 60 games. Like, give me 60 games of us relying on these kids to see what the hell we have. Like, I don't want to bring in – I don't want to bring in any vets. I don't want to bring in Eric Gordon. I don't want to bring in Pat Bev uh, unless it's it's like what Chris said, to, like, ship them off somewhere else. Like, I want to see these kids cook. Let these kids cook and see what they have, and take the lumps, take the ups and the downs. That's that's what I, that's what I want to see these kids do. Chris, I interrupted you. That's all I have, man. Next speaker. <laughs> all right, next, Bonkai, The floor is yours. 
Hey, what's good, Chris, Sean, everybody else in the room? What's going on? Uh, I'm hoping the Quentin Grimes disrespect is is done for now. I doubt it, but I'm hoping so. Uh, whoever said that he shouldn't be a starter just because you had your agenda with Cam Reddish, you look incredibly stupid right now. Hey, 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 listen, the cam- listen let's leave the Cam Hive alone. They're down bad right now. They're down horrendous. We're not going to kick them where we're down. We're just going to gently remind them that the Knicks have not lost the game since he went out the rotation. That's either here nor there. Continue. They they, they they wanted their agenda to agenda more than they wanted the, the, the team to, to play better. Like and, and clearly, Quentin Grimes makes this team better, makes the starting unit better. You mean Quentin Nilakina? Quentin Nilakina, Quentin, Quentin Bullock, whatever it is that, that these people call them or want to call them like. I'll continue to harp on this for a while because they were treating this guy like he was some sort of scrub that couldn't play basketball. And you know what's what's funny? The funniest thing is that the switch up, the switch up on him was so nasty and out of nowhere. Like because I clearly remember before the whole Donovan Mitchell trade talks even happened. Like you had plenty of people saying like, "Oh, I can't wait to watch Quentin Grimes this season. He's gonna kill it in the summer league. He's gonna have a great year." And then all of a sudden they just switched up on him just because somebody said he was untouchable. And it was such a nasty, like, switch up for no reason as well. So I'm glad this kid is playing really, really well. Like, he only makes us better. Like, I would never understand why people were going against that. It's because people have their narratives and their agendas. And I've also realized that some people just really fall into the trap of... uh, not the trap, but they value aesthetically pleasing basketball. And for what it's worth, Cam Reddish is an aesthetically pleasing basketball player. Like, when he scores, it looks beautiful. Okay, Kevin, can you go on mute? Kevin. All right, we'll have to, we'll have to move Kevin. He down. probably doesn't. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. No, no um, problem. No problem, Kevin. But, yeah, he plays aesthetically pleasing basketball. So it's very easy to be enamored by his style. And for you have to realize, like, between, like, aesthetically pleasing Twitter and bad Twitter, like, if you're in one of those pockets, you're going to be – it's easy then to look at a Quentin Grimes or an R.J. Barrett and be like, no, he's not that guy. Um, but that, I mean, that, that, that's, what it com- that's what it comes down to. You're so right. You're so right because you did – I did see it. You did have people say, well, like – Cam Reddish is like, you know, he can get to the basket. He has the Euro steps and all that stuff. What can Quentin Grimes do? Quentin Grimes is boring. Like, he only he's only a 3 at D guy that, you know, can help the team, right? Like, it's just, uh, even from a from a basketball standpoint, like, like, to not see that this guy is so fundamentally sound on both ends on the floor and just makes you better overall, I, I would never get that. Even if your agenda was... You know, your agenda, but yeah. Okay. Nah, we hear you, man. It's a, it's um, it's a thing what you're talking about. So, you know, to to just see that stuff kind of dissipate at least is nice as the team performs well. But it's not it's not too big a deal. Um, as Sean is ostensibly being a no, my, my my son is a. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I got you. So we, uh, I, I was just going to, th- on your behalf, thank Kai for coming up. 
uh, and chopping it up with us this nice morning. So thank you, man. Appreciate uh, and agree with what you said. Um, let's who, who was it? Was Strata next? Strata was next. And real quick, Farrell left. Because when Farrell was talking about like top five and he's like, oh, I forgot about the Nets. I thought he was going to talk about the uh, the team in the Kurt Goldsberg graphic. It's in the upper left hand corner. That has been the worst offense in the NBA in the last 10 games. And that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, if I had to choose between one to play one of those five seasons in the playoffs, I would choose them because I actually think we'd have a shot. Uh, I think the Celtics would stick us in the basket. I think Milwaukee would stick us in the basket. I think Philly would stick us in the basket. Yeah. Brooklyn, listen. As long as they got Kevin, I don't want to play them. <laughs> Period. End of story. As long as they have Kevin and Kevin's playing like this. Um, but Cleveland, eh, talk myself into that one. All right. Strata. Uh, I was going to say Chris. Strata. That's Strata. That's oh. your cue. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Good morning, Thanks, sir. Sean. Uh, Good morning. Good afternoon. Always happy to be in a Knicks space that's free of um, – Anger, vitriol, and just uh, stupidity. So I appreciate this space. It's, it's too early much. for any of that, <laughs> or, or late at Nick, late at night, because it's it's crazy. After an, a wonderful Nick win, you'll you'll just hear this crazy anger being spewed. I I just don't get that mentality, but I guess it's all part of uh, living in the in the midst. Wait, of was was, was it anger in the spaces last night after the game? It's 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 continuous, Sean. It's every night. Well, I mean, I can understand last night why there would be anger because, you know, there was no uh, – there are no spaces for 17 hours and people just had a lot of things they had to get. Bro, I picture. don't mean to cut you off, but they were calling R.J. Barrett a stat patter. Like, are you kidding me, bro? Like, they, they, a stat patter. After the a decisions, minute. the decisions he was making in the second half with the ball in his hands were so encouraging in regards to you know keeping the ball in his hands. Uh, it just looked like he had shaken that bug he gave himself of I'm going to go get 20 a night and not care about the rest. Um, he's making good passes, smart decisions. Uh, I, I think to have any complaints about the game he played yesterday would be hilarious. That's uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's enough discourse on. All right, as, as much yeah. time as we need to give that. Yeah, it's, it's just very funny, frustrating at the same time. Just just two points I want to make here. So just want to give a shout-out to uh, Coach Tibbs um, as a matter of vindication that his system, his boring, methodical system here in 2022 still works as he was uh, this close to – being kicked to the curb, but it probably wouldn't have happened anyway because he's close, very close to Leon Rose, right? Leon's hand-picked coach. But um, yeah, I, I think there's a, a sentiment from the from the front office, especially the top of it, that uh, and you know I think there's some notable voices in the front office that would not like Thibodeau to continue being the coach. But uh, I, I think the sentiment in general is that even if he's not the guy down the road, there's there, they don't have enough to gain from moving on yet. Uh, so that, you know, that's the, the take from them there, I guess. I don't know how close it was. I don't know how close you are with the inner circle, but it felt close that he was about to be fired. I think it was less close than people thought. I think it was closer yeah. than not close. Like, I think, I think people that were like, Oh, his job was never in question. I mean, there, were, there were discussions of like, 
hey man, this does not this does not, not look great right now, and I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. And then they were like, okay, well let's let's get down there with the shovel and and let's dig a little bit, let's get Deuce in there, and let's see if we see some light at the end of the tunnel. And now they're like, oh, it's super bright. So, oh yeah, got you. Second point here, I I think we need to pull back a little bit on the uh, trade Randall talks because the um, the Randall that's been playing the way he has, you know, big time, um, not not stat padding, right? He's just get he's he's playing hard. I mean the the um, the influence of of uh, of uh, Quinn and um, who who the two guys? Um, McBride off the bench. Grimes, Grimes, and uh, and 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 Deuce has obviously influenced Randall on the defensive end, right? So that that's awesome to see. We we need his offense. We we need his uh, boarding on the defensive uh, side. So as as long as Randall is free from the snowflake moments, and I, I think uh, Brunson can can um, can manage that with him. So I, I I we need him. So let's not talk about trading Julius. That 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 stuff is crazy. I uh, I get what you're saying. I still think I still think there has to be a mindset of like if the price is right. Like I think as the Knicks are in the mindset of with a lot of their players, uh, they like them. That's why they're on the team. That's why they've elected to keep them on the team. But they're not like irreversibly married to any of them to the extent where if they receive an offer that is, you know, much higher, significantly higher than their evaluation of said player, that they won't take it or at least seriously consider it. Like, for example, with Quickly, uh, they're not looking to move him actively, but someone calls and offers them uh, an unprotected first and that's projected to be top 10, I think they would take that. Just, you know, I, I think they would take uh, they haven't got They haven't gotten offers like that. Uh, the offers they've gotten have included, you know, young guards that are not as enticing as quickly uh, around the league and, and then like a, a very protected first round pick or something of the sort not too great of offers but that's why they haven't taken any of them no no I'm talking about Randall Chris talk about the I'm talking about yeah and I'm saying their organizational philosophy I yeah. think should be the same with him as it is with quickly now, listen to offers someone wants to submit like seriously legitimately overpay let them do that be willing to move him See what you have in top, and yeah, but but you know, I I do agree that I've long agreed that the mindset of dumping him was foolish. I, I thought he'd look a lot better to start this season. He has. Uh, I do think now, though, that if it was the team's plan to go really young, Randall's the only player in the rotation right now that's above twenty six years old. Yeah. Uh, if he's playing really well, if uh, someone like Miami or Los Angeles wanted to pursue pursue him heavily. And Los Angeles, I, I meant Clippers, but, you know, maybe the other team. Um, I doubt it. <laughs> but, you know, you know, if a team wants to go after him heavily, I, I would let them do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the GM always has to uh, field offers, right? That That's that's irresponsible not to do that. It's, it's due diligence. Exactly. Hey, wh- one, one final thing before I uh, hand it off to the other uh, the listeners here. So, Chris, are you familiar with Rachel of uh, Let's Talk Nick's space? I, I I don't hang out in a lot of other spaces, so no. Okay. 
okay, she's an up and coming college student. Uh, Nick's content creator. I thought you guys. I, I know. I know the page. I know the page. Let's talk next for sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe you can help her out. You know, looks like she can use some uh, positive influence. I mean, she she certainly has the drive, and you know, you seem to have a little more going for you. But anyway, just curious. So, thank you. Wait, you said, you said Charlotte from the, like, Let's talk next, Strata. Yeah, hey, let's thanks talk for coming next, out, man. Oh, um, no. Yeah, you know, anyone. I, I'll look into it. I mean, you know, always down yeah. to pass out words of advice. I, I talk to high school kids a lot. Um, no, no, she's in college. I think. No, I'm there. saying I, I just like yeah. like for me personally, I talk to a lot of high school kids about how to, or rather, how I approach stuff. Um, so for sure, I hear you. And oh, uh, yeah, right. thank thank you for coming up, man. And we appreciate, appreciate you. you. Thank you. Thanks, John. All right, as I am walking over to the studios of WFUV on the wonderful Rose Hill campus uh, as I am going to be working the Florida women's basketball game today doing halftime and post game I would say any final callers before I, I hand Sean the mic for his uh, final spiel if not Sean all you man all right and my final spiel will go on with my son going hoo 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 in the background while I wrap a present of his um I actually don't really have anything to say. I think everyone did a great job. I really enjoyed the conversation we had today. Um, we have the best fans in the world. We have the smartest fans in the NBA, and I will take that to my grave. Um, good show. Again, we were for the highest team in the Eastern Conference, six in a row. How sustainable it is, I don't know. Um, but you know what? I'm going to enjoy the ride. Because I have been watching this team. Like, the funny thing about the tanking people is that one of the arguments that they make is that, well, we lost for 20 years. Let's score more. And I'm like, but we lost for 20 years. Now you want me to lose on purpose for hopefully the chance to maybe, like the example I gave the other day, like what if you tank at number two pick and you end up picking the equivalent of Michael K. Gilchrist or a D'Angelo Russell? Because... If you pick D'Angelo Russell, and D'Angelo Russell is a fine basketball player. He's an all he made an all-star team. But when you take him number two, you are now you when you take him number two, you are now um forced to you have to talk yourself into how like if he's being him being better than he is because you took him number two. And that's not that's not really a role that I still want to go down. I know we need a star. I know we need a star if you want to compete, a superstar if you want to compete in this league. But for right now, let's just enjoy the ride, guys. Let's enjoy the stinking ride. And with that, I will call the day. Thanks to everyone who came up. Kevin Danishevsky, Strata, Pharaoh, No Zen Master, I-95 Bully. I feel like there's some I'm missing off the top of my head. Uh, but thank you all for everyone for, for, for contributing. Thanks for everyone who um, pulled up to listen. Uh, we'll be back here again Monday uh, morning, 11 a.m. Hopefully, listen, there is a world. There is a world for the next Christmas Day at the Garden. There is a world. In Indiana tomorrow, they got of Steph Curryless Warriors on Tuesday. They have the Raptors who don't scare anybody. And then they have I forget who the last game is before um oh the Bulls again. And then they have the Bulls again. Ten in a row is not far well, ten in a row is far fetched because ten in a row is ten games in a row. Ten in a row is not far fetched. 
the game they'll probably lose is probably the Raptors game because I've been crapping all over the Raptors fans for the past couple of weeks. So they'll get to throw that in my face. But with that being said, thanks everyone for pulling up. We appreciate you. We'll be, we'll be back next Saturday, 11 a.m. So for Chris Persianid, I'm showing for W. Thanks for listening. Knicks Nation, let's ride. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.